We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. we got a lot to talk about today. I'm going to jump through some fan questions and comments that will naturally put me into a lot of different discussion topics as we go through the show. But before I get to all of that, it's the playoffs. If you're not doing so already, make sure you're subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on notifications as well. Like this video. All those things certainly help out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. And then over on the podcast side, follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And then give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Takes you like 20 seconds to give a five-star rating and then write something nice about us, preferably in the review section. We would appreciate it. Great and very easy way to help out the show. All right, so a lot to talk about, but with game two tonight, the Lakers have been using the phrase throughout the, the season saying we need to be greedy. Let's get greedy. Right. And I think they're accurate with that. Now me personally, I go back to that old movie, wall street, right? Greed is good. Gordon Gecko, all of that kind of stuff. And in general, we think of greed in a negative sense, right? I mean, it's one of the, the deadly sins, right? So in this case though, I think the Lakers just need to be of the mindset of not being satisfied. That's really the way I take this whole greed mindset for the Lakers. It's, yes, you went in and you already got the split in Memphis. Worst case scenario, you got the split in Memphis. You won game one. Even if the Grizzlies win game two, you got the split. And that's what you were looking to do going in, was to at least get the split going into Memphis. But now, because you got game one, and let's face it, most people didn't think the Lakers would get game one. I mean, after all... The Lakers were a four and a half to five point underdog going into this game. And typically with a raucous crowd like that in Memphis, the home team is going to have a pretty, pretty big advantage. And we typically see that team win, but the Lakers managed to get the job done. They get the win in game one. Now they've got before them an opportunity, an opportunity to really put a stranglehold on this series because going up 2-0, that's a big deal. Going up 2-0 on the road, winning two in Memphis, well, that would be massive. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Whether or not John Morant actually plays, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. The Lakers are going to have to fight. Look, we've seen it around the NBA. Teams that go down 1-0, the, uh, the team doesn't want to go down 2-0. They're going to fight. They're going to fight like crazy as though their playoff lives depend on it. That's what I'm expecting out of the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, look, just last night. The Suns 
lost game one to the Clippers. Game two, the Suns came out there. They fought. They did everything they needed to do to get the win and send the series back to L.A. Now 1-1 because if you go down 0-2 and then go on the road, you're in big, big trouble. But again, this Lakers team, I think it is especially important given the injury status of so many of these players. LeBron, Anthony Davis, both managing active injuries. It's so critical that they get this series done as soon as possible. If they there's a way to get through this series in four or five games, and I'm not saying Memphis is just going to go away and just hand this over to the Lakers. I'm not saying this is a foregone conclusion at all. The Lakers still have a lot of work ahead of them. But the sooner they can get through this series, the better for the Lakers. And so I think it's especially important for this team to approach tonight's game too with a sense of urgency, trying to match the desperation that we're going to see from the Memphis Grizzlies. But let's get into some fan questions and comments here because I think that this is going to take uh, take me into a lot of different topics. David C. Howard, basketball gods, please continue to favor us. One down, 15 to go. Hashtag 18th banner may be loading. You know, the Lakers still aren't given a, a good shot of winning a championship, but I also say it's not impossible. And pre-trade deadline, we would have said, yeah, it's not happening, right? But you look at this team they've got now, and you can't say they don't have a shot. Can't say they don't have a shot to win to win this thing. They've got a chance. Hugo, Mo on the bench, Jaron Jackson Jr. eating in the paint like that. Is Mo Bamba stopping Jaron Jackson Jr.? Because look, Hugo, I've been hearing this comment a lot of why is Mo Bamba? I mean, look, we've been hearing this for weeks. And I get it. And I think I was more on that side in general in the regular season. Yeah, give Mo Bamba some minutes. Find out what's there. My problem is now it's the playoffs. And yeah, you probably should have found out a little bit more about what Mo Bamba can bring because now is not the time for it. Now is not the time to figure out what can Mo Bamba do defensively. Is he going to make the right read? Is he going to make the right switch? How, what's the chemistry going to be like with him on the floor on both, on both ends? Now is not the time for that. Now is not the time to figure things out. Now, in a break glass, in case of emergency situation, you've got multiple players in foul trouble, something like that. Okay, maybe. But look, the theory, the idea of Mo Bamba has always been better than Mo Bamba, the actual player. And I'm not trying to say that Mo Bamba is no good or he's not worth being on the floor or anything like that. Again, I think the Lakers should have given him minutes, more minutes during the regular season, so we had a better sense of what he is. But we look at Mobamba and we see, oh, he's got a crazy wingspan. In theory, he can block shots. He can also shoot the three. Lakers have been looking for a big who can do those things forever. Why not use him? It's just not the time. The playoffs are not the time to experiment with something. And again, you can go back and say they should have given him more minutes during the regular season, now, obviously, his injury robbed him of some, some opportunities, but should have given him some more minutes in the regular season. So then you felt a little more comfortable using him now. I think it's a fair argument, and I'm in agreement with it, but that's happened. That's done. You don't have an opportunity now to find out in game action what Mo Bamba brings and what the chemistry looks like on the floor. So I get it. I get it why Mo Bamba is not getting into games right now and why, from a fan perspective, you may look and see – well, hey, that guy that's pretty big out there is doing some things. There's a pretty big guy sitting over on the bench for the Lakers. Why don't you put him in? But I think when you go a little bit deeper, it's just, it's in my opinion, 
it's just not the time to start throwing out players where you don't know what the rotation is going to look like. They don't have a lot of experience. Now is not the time to mess around with stuff. Uh, Levinsky said, realizing hashtag Austin Powers is the Lakers' best closer, hands down. Austin sure was fantastic. I don't think I'm going to stick with Austin Powers as a nickname for him, but let's keep him coming. It's always fun trying to settle on something here. Richard, imagine if this squad had a whole season together. Yeah, that's what D'Angelo Russell was talking about, right? Just a few weeks ago saying once this team has a full training camp together, like I think they've had a pretty decent amount of chemistry already. Like they've, they've come together pretty quickly. And I think part of that is the backcourt of D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves offensively it fits so well together and fits so well with LeBron and AD just on paper that it's made this transition to what I consider to be essentially a brand new team that much easier to go through because you've got, look, D'Lo can bring the ball up. D'Lo can act as a floor spacer. Austin can bring the ball up. Austin can act as a floor spacer. Either one of those guys can run, pick and roll in a pinch. Oh, and you've got this other guy, LeBron James out there who can also do everything and anything that you need him to do. When you've got that much flexibility on the floor, that much versatility, that creates a lot of opportunities and a lot of a lot of possibilities in terms of just getting the job done. And it doesn't have to go through any particular guy. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And that's why I am so hopeful that this group, while there's going to be some moves around the margins, I'm hopeful that this group will stay together. Trade up. The Black Samurai was the player of the game. Man, Rui Hachimura sure was tremendous, tremendous. I'm not expecting the same thing out of him tonight in game two. I do think that uh, the Grizzlies may change the way they defend him a little bit. If they don't, he's got to keep shooting those shots, and then hopefully he hits a high enough percentage. I'm not expecting him to go five for six from deep, but if he gets six attempts from deep and he hits three of them, you're really happy, right? That's punishing the Grizzlies for their choices, which I talk about a lot. Eduardo, amazing to think about this road this team has been on. It really is. It really is. 13th seed pre-trade deadline to the 7th seed. Looking like they had no shot to make the playoffs starting the season 2-10 and 10 to where they're at now. Really impressive. Really impressive. Basher, much, much better job with AD out of the double team. Yeah, I, you know, I thought the Lakers, the Lakers as a team, and AD is included in this in general, I thought did a really nice job of reading exactly what the Grizzlies defense was doing and finding the way to score on it, finding the option, finding the, the spot that the Grizzlies were not covering and exploiting that. They did a great job reading the defense. I, I really loved what we saw there. Odenry said, Rui playoff mode for the Wizards. He shot 61% from the field. Uh, okay. All right. Before I even get in all this. Yes. Yeah, 61% from the field, 60% from three, 15 points per game. In the playoffs, what's the sample size? I believe it's five games. This is off the top of my head. I could be wrong, but I believe he played five playoff games prior to this game, game one with the Lakers. That's not a big enough sample size to say this is playoff mode. Like, we can't start a playoff Rui thing as though it's playoff Rondo all over again or something like that. Look, we get round two, we get into round three, and Rui is still a monster. Okay, let, let's start talking, but a five-game sample size, it's just not big enough of a sample size. It's just not. It's just not. That, I mean, all the credit to Rui, but I don't want this to quickly become this, oh, Rui is a 
it just goes nuts in the playoffs and he's so good here and, and everything. We don't know that for sure. Let's pump the brakes a little bit and let's see. Hopefully it's correct. Hopefully Rui does take it to another level come playoff time and and the, the lights being at their brightest doesn't phase him and he comes up with huge performances. That'd be fantastic. Let's definitely do that. But let's confirm it first before, before we get there. It's just not a big enough sample size. Ben, AD injury before half had me soiling my trousers. Pretty much every Lakers fan, right? Scary, scary moments there. And hopefully it's not something we see again. And it's a reminder of how quickly everything can fall apart. Marcus, Lakers fans, let's be a better fan base and wish Ja a speedy recovery. That's largely what I've seen from Lakers fans is, yeah, we want Ja to be healthy. No one should be wishing he stays hurt. No, I, I would like the Lakers to beat the Grizzlies with Ja. So there's no excuses. Yes, aside from Steven Adams, Brandon Clark. Michael Liu, D'Lo put up Westbrook numbers, not it. See, I disagree. I thought D'Lo was pretty composed and actually hit some difficult shots despite starting slow in the game. And I was pretty pleased with what we saw out of D'Angelo Russell in game one. And I'm optimistic about what we're going to see from him moving forward here. No, he didn't shoot the ball tremendously well, but coming off of a terrible performance against the Wolves, I thought it was a pretty decent bounce back in game one. Ricky, how about Ham's rotations tonight? I like how he went with Rui over Vanderbilt once he saw Rui was hot and he's learning on the fly to coach, LOL. Yeah, I, I thought Darvin Ham did a really nice job coaching in game one, and it's got me more optimistic for game two and, and beyond. That we just, I mean, we went through a whole game, and I don't think Lakers fans had much to complain about rotation-wise, aside from the few people still saying, you know, oh, Mobamba should be playing or Lonnie Walker should be playing or, or whatever. I thought Darvin Ham did a nice job pushing the right buttons at the right time, making the right rotation decisions, even if there were a few things that I thought he did maybe a possession or two later than I would have preferred, that's kind of nitpicking. I thought the big decisions he got right. Dante said, Trev, I told you no one can beat the Lakers in a seven game series. Dante, I said it. I've said it a bunch of times. Let's not get too high or too low based on anything that happens in game one. So I hope you're right. Don't get me wrong. I hope you are correct. I hope you're 100% correct and nobody can beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. But the literally the first game of the playoffs, I can't take that as definitive proof that no one can beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. Dante, we have a long, long way to go. Buckle up. But I hope you're right. Super dope hip-hop. Again, wins and losses come down to three and seven as Braun and AD are going to do their thing. Oh, positions three through seven. Roster spots three through seven. LeBron and AD are going to do their thing, but to win series and titles, it comes down to three through seven. Rui starts versus Grizz. Need AD on Jaron Jackson Jr. more, but great win. LeBron five stocks. AD nine stocks. Huge. Actually finished with 10. Um, yeah, look, I think you're right in terms of You've got to have that depth. And this is where the Lakers were in trouble. Pre-trade deadline. Post-trade deadline, Austin can step up. D'Lo can step up. Rui can step up. Uh, I mean, Dennis Schroeder can step up. You've got all these different guys that can step up at a moment's notice and have big nights. It's such a difference. I mean, we're seeing it right now in the Suns and Clippers series. You've got four guys on the Suns, and you're hoping that at least one of their bench guys steps up, whether it's Torrey Craig or, or Josh Okoji or, or whoever, step up. But 
that's pretty much it, right? You don't have a whole lot else on that team against the Clippers who have Kawhi, have Russ, and they've got you know some other players and everything. Of course, they're waiting for Paul George to come back, but they've got depth. They've got depth. They've got Norman Powell. They've got Avica Zubats. They've got, you know, they've got all these different guys that they can turn to. So I do think that in the playoffs, while depth isn't quite as critical as it is during the regular season, it's still important. And I think getting seven deep at least is the minimum uh, in the postseason for you to have success. And yeah, the Lakers depth on display against the Grizzlies. Jimmy, thoughts on Ham's game plan and adjustments? I thought he did a pretty nice job. And you know what? The, the idea that, hey, maybe AD should defend Jaron Jackson Jr. a bit more. I get it. The fear being that if AD is defending Jaron Jackson, what's going to happen is Triple J is going to go behind the three-point line, and that's going to pull AD away from the basket. And obviously, AD was a major factor at the rim. He gets seven blocks in this game, uh, in game one. So that's the concern, is that if you, if you put him on Xavier Tillman, well, he's not going anywhere. And you're not going to worry about AD getting into foul trouble. On the flip side, though, Jaron Jackson was a bit too much for LeBron, for Rui, for Vando, for anybody else who was guarding him. He did his thing. And so I do think you probably need to see more of AD there on Jaron Jackson. And then it'll be interesting to see what other wrinkles you get. But I don't think, I still don't think you want AD on him full time. Like, for example, if let's say John Morant is a no-go, okay, if it's Tyus Jones in there and you get some minutes where Tyus is not in the game. He's not in. So you don't have your point guard, not in the game. How many other players on the Grizzlies are going to get into the paint and create problems? I mean, Des Bain can do it a bit, but are you super worried about it? No, probably not. Dylan Brooks. I mean, the Lakers defensive game plan is asking him to shoot. So, in those moments, it's a little bit easier to say, okay, AD, you're going to defend Jaron Jackson because even if Jaron Jackson pulls you away from the rim, we're not as worried about the guys driving to the basket as we would be otherwise. Whereas if, let's say, Jaw does play or Tyus Jones is in the game, okay, those guys can get into the paint. Tyus Jones does a nice job shooting that, that floater and everything. Uh, Jaw obviously is incredibly explosive. So putting Anthony Davis on Xavier Tillman is sort of a hedge against jaw getting into the paint because now you've got your best shot blocker that can come over that it's at its arm's length and can come over and contest. So that's something important to watch too. What does Darvin do with that? When does he put Anthony Davis on Jaron Jackson? Because I think you have opportunities to do it, particularly if jaw is off the floor and especially if Tyus Jones is off the floor and jaw is out of the game, that's where you've got opportunities to do it where AD otherwise AD being near the basket it's pretty important cuddy if we win in four or five it won't matter who we see in round two i hope you're right but i mean the kings are up 2-0 now on the warriors and golden state just saw draymond green get suspended he's suspended for game three for stomping on on sabonis which by the way we will talk about this more in depth on the front office show i didn't have a problem with the nba's decision with draymond um i know there's a lot of people out there who disagree and, and think that the NBA should not have suspended Draymond for another game. I think based on his history, the punishment made sense to me, but it does seem like a pretty polarizing topic with people either saying, yes, he should have been suspended or a lot of people saying, no, he shouldn't have been personally. I get it. Now I don't think Sabonis should be, should just walk away scot-free. 
I, I think there should be a punishment for Sabonis for grabbing onto Draymond's leg. You can't do that. You can't do that. Now, I don't think Sabonis should be suspended, but there should be technical foul. And, and again, maybe that's coming, but there should be something there for Sabonis as well. He is not blameless in that scenario. First name, last name said AR-15's got that dog in him. Man, Austin was fantastic in game one. Brandon said, I got you. Rui Hibachimura. Yeah, I think when we're talking about nicknames, that's probably the best one for Rui. Twisted Arcade said, bronze shot selection early worried me. He took early clock threes and gave free fast breaks. We can fall behind early that way against high scoring teams. That's true. We also saw LeBron take and make some really big threes late in the game. So in on one hand, yes, I agree that LeBron probably needs to be a little bit more selective with when he takes those threes. Are they in rhythm and things of that nature? And I think he's going to rely on that three a little bit more than he has in the past. Um, but on the other hand, you're not going to get the, well, as they call them on Twitter, lay let FU threes that LeBron puts up where he hits just a deep three that breaks the opponent's back. You don't get that if he's not taking those shots, right? He's got to take those shots in order to make them. So I do agree. I'd like to see LeBron be a little bit more selective, but it's also a big part of his arsenal. And if that's what the Grizzlies are giving up, then you got to knock him down, kill him. Rui hot from three Murrah. No, that's too much. That's too much. Watts Raider. Ham coached good. Way better in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I liked what we saw out of Darvin Ham in game one. And not, look, he's caught, not, caught a lot of flack. I thought he coached a really nice game. We're going to pause for just a moment to talk about game time. Ticket buying can be a very stressful experience. Personally, I am always trying to make sure that I'm getting the best deal. And that's not always easy to know. You have to go fully through the checkout process. Sometimes one app will say one thing. Another app won't give you the final price until the end. It is a nightmare. But buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets and a best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you are going to have. Forget about planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So you suddenly find yourself with a little bit of time. You have some friends that want to go do something, grab tickets on game time. Game time, the guarantee means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are in their best price game time guarantee. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You even get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LakersNation for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, game time. Uh, super dope hip hop. Oh, there you go. So 10 stocks for AD. LeBron now tied for second with Ben Wallace playoff games with two plus blocks and two plus steals 39 LeBron has had 39 playoff games with over two blocks and over two steals playoff game. That's 
That's ridiculous. Hakeem's number one in 56, Kareem 33, David Robinson 32, Draymond 27. 39. Part of that is just LeBron's longevity and how long he's been, how many playoff games he's been in, but still over two blocks, over two steals, 39 games. That's insane. Uh, this game felt like AD and LeBron took care of the defense and the rest of the guys took care of the offense. Well, certainly in the, in the end of the fourth quarter in crunch time. What a great team win. We won LeBron's feel-out game. You know, it really felt like the Lakers recognized that everybody, everybody in the building, everybody at home was expecting that in the last few minutes, the ball's going to go to LeBron or the ball's going to go to AD. And so the Lakers said, well, let's throw a little curveball at you. Here's Austin Reeves' high pick and roll with AD, knowing that Jaron Jackson is not going to leave AD. He's going to stay at home on him and trusting that, hey, Austin, if given an open 15-footer, is going to knock it down more often than not. And sure enough, Austin did indeed. What I really wanted to see was what was going to happen on one of the final plays when Jaron Jackson finally switched his defensive coverage on Reeves and instead of going into drop showed high Reeves started to do the little dribble through his legs thing. Like he might consider taking him off the dribble. The lob to AD might've been there. I really wanted to see how the Lakers were going to attack that coverage because I think we may see that coverage in this next game in game two tonight, but uh, the whistle got blown. It was a foul on Jaron Jackson. Uh, he grabbed a hold of AD and that was that. So unfortunately we didn't get to see it, but I do think we're going to see some shifts in the Grizzlies defense this game, uh, game two. Mark Polo said, I got it, Trev. R2 Rui. R2 Rui. If he was like number two, maybe, but I don't know. Campbell. Rui Hatre Mura. I kind of like, that's not bad. When he hits a three, Hatre Mura. That's not bad. We already have Austin Threaves, Malik Threesley. Things like that. The Triple C said it's easy to get overconfident after a feel-good win. Need to see how they respond to this W. Indeed, if the Grizzlies come out in game two tonight and have all the momentum and come out just playing with the intensity, with desperation, and they beat the Lakers by 20 or something like that, well, that takes a lot of the wind out of our sails, doesn't it? And I think we have to keep in mind that this game was a one-point game with just under three minutes to play. And then the Lakers surged ahead. Seven straight possessions, the Lakers scored and got stops on the ensuing Grizzlies possession. That's how they wound up winning the game by so much. It was very close up until the end there. And then the Lakers went berserk and got stops and scores the entire rest of the game. So that was that's something just to keep in mind. If you're looking at the final score and thinking, well, the Lakers are going to steamroll the Grizzlies because clearly they beat them by 16. Yeah, but that's not really reflective of how the game actually went. And I'm not saying the Lakers shouldn't have won. I thought the Lakers were the better team on the night. The right team won the game. I'm just saying it's closer than what the score would suggest. Steven, Braun is declining. He has to use his IQ more than ever to decide when to make winning plays. Get out, uh, gets out hustled, giving up easy points and rebounds. He had what do you have 11 rebounds? Still, he had 10 plus boards. Luckily, this is a complete team to help carry the load. Well, I, I don't, uh, for one thing, is Le LeBron declining? Yeah, probably, right? I mean, he's 38 years old. So, yes, there, there's going to be some decline there. He has to use his IQ more than ever. Well, that's what happens as players get older. 
But the other piece to this that we can't forget is he is actively managing an injury. That's probably a factor here too. So another thing to consider, I, I look at this though, and I see LeBron, what he did in game one. And he was great. I thought he was fantastic. You know, you can look at this and say, well, oh, LeBron's declining because he only had 21 points. But sure. And he had the worst turnovers of the day. No question. He had five turnovers. And a couple of them were just very lazy turnovers. And so, the, look, I'm not saying LeBron had a perfect game, but 11 boards, five assists, two steals, three blocks. I thought he did some great things defensively. I thought this was still a really good game for, for LeBron. And his impact was definitely felt out there. Now, maybe it was felt more on the defensive end, but that's the beauty part of LeBron's game. He doesn't have a problem if, hey, the path to victory is Austin Reeves gets the ball in crunch time. Great. Let's do that. LeBron is, he wants to make the right basketball play all the time. So if what it takes in order to win is, hey, I've got to focus on defense and rebounding and the offense can kind of hum without me and I'll pick my spots, that's, that's fine. If it's, I've got to score 40 in order for us to win this game, okay, I'm going to push down on the gas pedal. And I'm going to try to get that 40 and I'm going to go after it. But I think his preference would be games like this where D'Lo has 19, Austin has 23, AD has 22, Rui has 29. LeBron doesn't have to do quite as much on the offensive end. I think this is his preference. And that's not all superstars are, are wired that way, particularly when you've got a guy who's in the argument for greatest of all time. Not everybody's wired that way. And he catches flack for it sometimes. But in situations like this, I think it's to his benefit. Gene, what chance do you give us to beat Memphis to move to the second round of the playoffs since we win game one? I mean, the odds are much better than they were prior to game one, certainly. The Lakers were the underdog. That is no longer the case now that they won game one. So I do think that the Lakers have a really good shot here. And I think the Lakers have a good shot of doing something special in terms of getting through this series quicker than expected if they can get the win in game two. You get the win in game two. And by the way, I'm just checking the updated odds. I'm recording this Tuesday evening, by the way. But... As I'm recording this, the Lakers are now a one-point favorite to win game two. And I'm sure some of that has to do with John Morant's injury status and everything. Also, optimism around the Lakers. But if you can get game two, that gives you a really great chance to get through this series. I think the Lakers have a pretty good shot anyway to get through. But you get game two, and then you're really in the driver's seat. So let's see what happens there. Drewski, Rui hot from three, Murrah. Rui Gothamura. All right. Errol, my first super chat. Woke up at 5 a.m. here in Australia to watch. Worth it. I'll just sleep on the job later. Lakers Nation for life. Well, Errol, thank you so much for coming in from Australia. Love it when we get international fans coming in. So cool to see the way the game has expanded. Um, hopefully, you aren't doing a job where you'll be like negatively impacting anybody else by sleeping or putting anyone in danger or anything. Like, Tell me you're not a bus driver or something like that. But... But if you can get away with it, man, bleed, bleed that purple and gold and uh, get, get your sleeping on the door. I'll write you a note for your boss if, if need be. Major Mind and Soul. Is Reeves a young bird like Larry Bird? 
Oh my gosh, people. <laughs> we are. Austin is great. And we do player comparisons and stuff like that. But you're talking about one of the greatest players ever in Larry Bird. Let's, we need, we're setting the bar too high is, is what's happening. We're setting the bar too high. Let's pump the brakes a little bit on exactly what Austin is as a basketball player. Let's pump the brakes. Let's let him become whatever he's going to be. Mood music. Vando was immense defending John Moran today. Yeah, and John had a, um, he had a pretty efficient game, but the turnovers were not. So Ja, for the game, and we don't know. The Grizzlies are playing it close to the vest in terms of whether or not Jaw is actually going to play uh, in, in game two. Uh, it's going to be a game time decision. I would be surprised if he does play, though. But John Morant, 8 of 14 shooting. That's efficient. But wait. And he was 2 of 3 from 3. And I thought the threes that he took, the Lakers were pretty okay with him taking those threes. He happened to knock down two of them. But zero free throw attempts. So you kept him off the line. Six turnovers. That's great. That's great for the Lakers defense. And Vando is certainly a big part of that. But it, also the ability to mix it up was part of it too. But the question coming into the game was, can, J can Jared Vanderbilt defend John Morant? And that doesn't mean like shut him down. Just can he competently defend John Morant? Because that was a real question. Or is Ja too fast? Can Vando defend John Morant? The answer is yes. And that's critical because if the answer was no, who's he defending in this series? Like that's kind of a problem. He's not, you don't want him on Jaron Jackson. That didn't work out very well. He, it, his defensive capabilities are kind of wasted if he can't defend John Morant because you're not going to put him on Bain where I think Austin did a really nice job chasing Desmond Bain, did probably better than Vando would have anyway. You're not going to put him on Dylan Brooks because Let's face it, you don't want to lock down Dylan Brooks. So what do you do? Xavier Tillman? Well, again, that's kind of a waste. You might as well put Rui in the game because Rui's gonna, you're not going to worry about Tillman anyway. So, And Rui's better offensively. So I think that Vando defending Ja competently is actually a really big deal, and you give him a lot of credit for it. Dean, excellent game, Lakers Nation. My wish for the playoffs. Clippers miraculously beat Suns, and Denver knock out the Clippers. Denver Lakers, Lakers Bucks, not too early, number 18. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Personally, I'm pulling for the Suns in the Suns Clippers series and then the Suns to lose in round two, but we're both getting to the same place. And the reason why I'm going Clippers is because I want the teams that would bother me the most to see them win a championship. I don't want to have to worry about them. I want them home. I want them to go away. And so that's the Clippers and the Celtics. Well, obviously the Hawks are not going to stop the Celtics. There's no, I mean, that's a, it's, it's almost a free pass for Boston into, into the second round. So that's not going to happen, but the Suns have a shot to knock out the Clippers and the Clippers are going to get Paul George back at some point. I'd rather them go home before Paul George can come back. Cause I don't want them to get some momentum when George comes back. And next thing you know, they're making a title run or something like don't want to live in that world. Get him out now before Paul George comes back. That's my preference. All right, we're going to pause for just one moment. Needed to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Shady Rays. I love Shady Rays. This is this is no joke here. This is not 
for an ad read or anything like that. Shady Rays have been my daily driver sunglasses for years, even before they became a sponsor. I literally have five pairs of Shady Rays because I've bought so many different styles. Um, they're absolutely phenomenal. So our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. They're an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even one on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. I can confirm this. I had my sunglasses sitting on the seat in my car. I sat on them. I broke them. I contacted them, got a replacement pair sent to me. This was a year and a half ago that, that this happened. And I and they sent me the replacement sunglasses. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff from them. I don't see that from sunglasses companies. Uh, with Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they've donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop with Shady Rays. They have your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving you their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code LakersNation for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Voice of reason. Reeves is Nash, but way better defense. Again, we're setting the bar too high. Although I will say that's not the first time I've heard the Steve Nash comparison. We're setting the bar too high. I mean, Steve Nash is one of the greatest passers of all time. I do get it in terms of he's got a lot of confidence in his mid-range jumper. The way he pulls up is a little bit Nash-like. Uh, shoots the, He shoots at a very high efficiency level, reads the floor well, all of that. He's bigger than Steve, significantly bigger than Steve Nash. Nash certainly a, a, just a more natural passer in terms of his feel for passing the basketball though reeves is a very talented passer as well and reads the floor extremely well um that behind the back pass to Rui being evidence of that but again i think we're setting the bar too high for austin Ciras said find a girl the way that that loves you like ham loves troy shaking my head so now it's troy so for a little while it was Dennis Schroeder. Oh, Ham loves Dennis Schroeder. Why is he giving him all these minutes? This is the new Avery Bradley, and, and he isn't deserving these minutes. All this. And then Dennis played really well for like a week, and then everybody kind of shut up about that. Troy Brown, I thought, was shaky in, in game one, and now it becomes, oh, it's Troy. Ham loves Troy Brown. Why does he keep playing him? Troy Brown has had great stretches for the Lakers, and it was has been one of their better three-point shooters on the season, and his 6'6", six, six and fairly switchy defensively. Now, what he doesn't do is give you 15 points every night on, you know, four for seven from three or something. Like, that's just not what he does. He's not a high-volume shooter or scorer. He's just solid. Now, again, I didn't think game one was an example of solid Troy Brown play. I thought he was fairly shaky, particularly offensively. Maybe the nerves of the playoffs got to him a little bit. I don't know. But over the course of the season... I think Troy Brown has been a really solid addition for the Lakers, and he's given you wing play that, frankly, you, frankly, you needed. So, I, I don't. I'm not out on Troy Brown at all. I think it's fairly likely that at some point during this series, Troy Brown's going to have 
a two for three shooting night or three for five or something from three shooting night that really helps the Lakers. And at six, six, he's fairly switchy defensively as well. I don't think he should be playing 30 minutes a night or anything like that, but in the 15 to 20 minute range, he's just fine. I think we overreact to one game sometimes. Bruh, bruh. One thing that shouldn't be forgotten was that the mid-range jump shot from Jared Vanderbilt made it the buzz at the beginning of the game, LOL. That was a guilt-free shot because the buzzer's going to sound, so he just has to fling it up. And if it goes in, it goes in. Unfortunately for the Lakers, it went in because you would never diagram that play. Even if it was just a standstill jumper for Jared Vanderbilt, you would never draw that up. And yet, out of necessity, he threw it up, and the ball went in the basket. We'll take it. Nicholas Sowell said, who do you think steps up for game two? D'Lo? Also, can Austin be number three this whole series? Hashtag arenas provision. Uh, yes, I think Austin can be the third guy uh, for the series. I think he definitely can. Who steps up game two? I'm not going to predict Rui goes berserk again. I'm going to go with Dennis Schroeder, though. I don't think Dennis is going to have seven points in a game every very often. I think game two, we get a bigger Dennis Schroeder performance. And maybe it winds up, maybe you get D'Lo as well. That's certainly possible. But I think you get a, a bigger performance out of Dennis in, in game two. That's my guess. Watts didn't like when AD got doubled, nobody cut to the rim. Some of that is if you cut, let's say AD is doubled. And if the cut to the rim isn't there, it's actually the pass out to the wing that is there and that can, can create the ping around to the open three on the other side. And if you get somebody cutting through to the rim and then you kick out, that guy's stuck under the basket and isn't out there to be that release valve. So that's part of it. But in general, yeah, look, if there is a lane there and AD can hit somebody on the move, uh, we would take it for sure, right? A cut to the rim. Yeah. In general, I like to see more movement off ball in general. But again, I I didn't think the Lakers did a terrible job. And AD did it, it didn't do a terrible job dealing with the picket with the uh, double team. Thought they actually did pretty well. Just be easy. Hey, Trev, Trev Dog and Spacey, <laughs> Spacey D. So that was Sean Spaces Davis were on with me. Uh, he was on with me. Uh, post game. What a game. I love these Lakers. Let's put our foot on the gas and break the rearview mirror. Let's go. That's right. Lakers fans fired up. Let's go. A game. Honestly, in order for the Lakers to go deep, LeBron can't be the best player in the Lakers. That's not a negative thing. We have all the pieces to let LeBron take over when needed. That's a good way to put it. But does that, does that mean AD has to be the best player? I think it does. And I don't think that's the wrong way to look at it either. My thought going into this series was Anthony Davis needs to, needs to be the best player in the series. And that's not out of the question for him to do. And I think he was the best player on the floor in game one. And you can look at Jaron Jackson and say, oh, Jaron Jackson, though, look what he did, 31 points. Yeah, he had 31 points, but Anthony Davis had 22. Um, AD didn't take any threes. Jaron Jackson had one more free throw than AD did. I don't think most, and I thought AD should have had way more free throws than two. Thought he got fouled a bunch of times that didn't get called, particularly by Jaron Jackson. How Jaron Jackson Jr. got through this game with three fouls is a mystery to me. But 12 boards for AD, three steals, seven blocks. He was the most dominant defensive force in the game 
while still getting it done on the offensive end, Anthony Davis was the best player on the floor in the game in game one. And if AD is the best player on the floor through the series, I think the Lakers have a very strong chance of winning this series. L Bradford officiating ruined the pace at some points, but I felt like we pulled through the sticky bits really well. Second half haven't done that for a few years. They did fight through it. I was not a fan of the officiating. Sometimes I can be a little overly critical of officiating in general. So I try to keep that in mind, but yeah, I was, I thought the Lakers did a nice job fighting through and not letting the officiating get to them to the point where they're stopping and complaining and worrying so much about the calls they're not getting that it affects the rest of their game. Instead, they just push through, they push through and they found a way to win music uh, by Hexa said, considering we had zero turnovers up until LeBron's awful second quarter fraud refs and AD stinger, this game could have easily been a blowout. The Lakers keep this up. I can confidently say they can take this in five. Yeah. I mean, look, the Lakers, I thought played well in game one, but there are things they can do better. The turnovers being part of it. Now I said, going into the series, one of the keys was that the Lakers needed to keep the turnover battle battle close. They don't need to win the turnover battle, but they need to keep it close. The one game, the Grizzlies beat them this year. The Lakers had 26 turnovers. You can't do that. Can't do that and win a game. You just can't. So, where the Grizzlies are going to really get you, particularly when the Lakers are bad in transition defense and you get into transition a lot off live ball turnovers. So if the Lakers can cut down on their turnovers a little bit further, I'm talking have 10 to 12 turnovers instead of 14 turnovers like they did in game one. Yeah, this game becomes a little bit easier. Um, That said, I don't think you can count on the Lakers shooting 43% from three every night. You'll certainly take it when it happens, but that's, above their average, 53% from the field. But you also wouldn't expect the Lakers to only take 16 free throws in a game. Now, they made 88% of them, but still, you wouldn't expect them to shoot just 16 free throws. So that can change too. So the point is that while there are some things that you can point to and say, well, is Ruby really going to go for 29 next game? Probably not. Are the Lakers really going to shoot 43% from three for the series? Probably not. But are... Can the Lakers improve their turnovers? Yes. Is Dennis really going to only score seven points per game for the series? No. Right? Um, Are LeBron and AD both not going to go for 30? No. There's other things that can happen that that the Lakers can improve upon in this. Particularly defensively, how they defend Jaron Jackson Jr. and the turnovers on the offensive end. Escar. Uh (laughs) This super chat said contribution for Trevor to get a larger water cup. Now I know he's being sarcastic because I've got like the biggest Lakers cup ever. The one he currently has is clearly undersized. Love it. Josiah said Rui modeled his game after Carmelo, his idol. Uh, If that's accurate. Yeah. You can kind of see it in terms of the pull-up jumper, the way that he shoots it and everything, even though there is some Kawhi Leonard to his shooting form in terms of the rhythm of it. I, I see it. King Brandeezy. Starting from the bottom, here we are. Never stop believing Lakers Nation championship dreams. That's right. That's right. Never lose sight of the journey. Never lose sight of what it took to get where you're at now. But the job's not finished. They got a long way to go. You drop game two and suddenly a lot of things fall into question, right? Go take care of business in game two. And we're really talking. Man, I can't wait to see Lakers in front of the home crowd too at Crypto.com Arena. Mama mentality, betting odds going to switch zero to 100 real quick. Yeah, I mean, look, the Lakers are now the favorite for game two. Things change very fast. King in 2023, only complaints wasn't doubling Jaron Jackson Jr. when he got hot 
in the third and having Vando get beat by Jaron Jackson should use Bamba in the rotation. LeBron and AD got to be aggressive. I still, I don't know that Bamba does a better job defending Jaron Jackson than Vando does. He's, he's not known for his post defense. It's not really what he is despite having those really long arms. So I, I have trouble with that one, but as far as not doubling Jaron Jackson, Sure. I mean, I get the Lakers preferring to play straight up and everything, but maybe we do see some hard doubles coming at Jaron Jackson in this next game. Ty, great win. Thanks for the show. Carpenter Sean and the Trevorand. Oh, that's a nickname I haven't heard before. Carpenter Sean, because he couldn't quite land on uh, hit the nail on the head. He was trying to say hit the nail on the head, but hit the hit the hammer with the nail or something was somehow what he he couldn't quite get there. And so I made a joke about him not being a very good carpenter. Uh, Kale game one got me like, I'm a Lakers fan, Mikey having that, that D'Angelo Russell vibe. I like it. I like it. One of these get one game in this series. I think we're going to get a big D game where he's hitting threes and transition and stuff. And that is going to be a lot of, I hope it happens at home in front of the front of uh, crypto.com in front of LA fans. Thoughts on the playoff rotation, this one says. I thought it was really good. I thought that Darvin did a really nice job in terms of the minutes. I thought the decision that, okay, we're going to go small in terms of we're not going to play Wenyon. I thought that was just fine, particularly with Rui playing the way that he was. So I liked it. I thought Darvin did a good job. I thought I liked the adjustment on the fly. Hey, Rui's got it going. Okay, Rui, here's 30 minutes tonight. Nice job. Good job, I think, by Darvin. And again, Austin had it going. I thought D'Lo did a really nice job in terms of playing off of Austin. So Dennis Schroeder, who was great the previous game against the Wolves, who was the hero, only got 20 minutes. But D'Lo and Austin were playing well together. Darvin, again, making the right decisions. Hopefully that's something that continues. All right, Lakers Nation. That's going to wrap things up for me on this show. Again, we do have the Lakers against the Grizzlies coming up tonight. Make sure you come join us over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Watch the game directly with us. Hang out with us while we watch the game and cheer on the Lakers. It's a lot of fun. We watch the game together on the same screen, same time. And uh, yeah, myself, Sean Davis, other Lakers Nation staff members pop in and we talk Lakers basketball all the way throughout the game. And we're conversing with you. It's, it's a blast. So come join us over on playback.tv slash Lakers Nation for the game. And of course, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, as well as the podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.